Hey there, it's Monica, your production assistant here on The Burn. We're taking a break from our regular schedule for the 4th of July holiday. I have selected this re-release to share with you. I chose The Power of Being Vulnerable, I Was Alone Until I Wasn't, with Jessica Lynn. We released this episode back in December 2021, and it's one of my favorites. It's about feeling alone and not feeling worthy to ask for help when cancer comes, and breaking a learned generational mindset of, if I could not do it myself, I did not deserve it. Growing up, Jessica learned how not to ask for help or connection, and that did not serve her at all when cancer came. But then Jessica has a transformation and it's so beautiful. Her story resonated with me on some levels. After I was diagnosed with stage three cancer, I didn't come out of the cancer closet for four months, except to the people that had to know. I was embarrassed to be so sick at 42, and I just didn't feel I was entitled to ask for practical or emotional help. I did not want to be a burden, and asking for help also somehow further solidified my terrifying reality. But really, I was just harming myself in this frozen trauma response. This thinking just wounded me more. I eventually got through that mindset, and so did Jessica. I know you'll enjoy hearing how Jessica went from not feeling worthy enough to ask for help to finding the connection she needed to transform. We'll be back next week with an all-new juicy episode of The Burn. Sending big love and good vibes your way. In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about breaking cycles and the power of getting vulnerable to elevate your writing to the level of changing lives. For 10 years, Brene Brown has been teaching us the secrets of the wholehearted, connection, compassion, and vulnerability. At the center of it all is the courage to douse shame in a healthy dose of empathy. Courage, Brene says, is telling the story of who you are with your whole heart. It's a willingness to let go of who you thought you should be. In believing what makes you vulnerable is what makes you beautiful. It's connecting with others and knowing you belong. My guest today learned those lessons that Brene talks about after she was diagnosed with breast cancer, and certain thoughts and patterns no longer served her. She grew up with a strong family story of independence. She was taught to be, quote-unquote, fiercely independent. It sounds good. It's sort of the American dream. It was a belief she wore like armor to protect herself from life's bumps and bangs. That is, until one day. Until one day she learned it was the one thing hurting her more than anything else. My guest today is Jessica Lynn. Jessica comes to us today from a small, peaceful farm in the Hudson Valley, 
where she lives with her loving husband, two charismatic children, dog, cat, alpaca, and chicken. When cancer knocked, Jessica was 43. She says she opened the door with the same vigor she puts into any project. Initially diagnosed with DCIS, a second opinion identified a tumor in the same breast with positive lymph nodes as well. Jessica was never officially given a stage, and she never asked. She said she didn't want to give that power to her cancer. Instead, she used it as an opportunity to step into her power, grace, and humility. Amazed and grateful by the support she received during her treatment, she is always searching for ways to lift up other previvers, fighters, survivors, and thrivers. Today, Jessica is here to read a piece she wrote for Wildfire Magazine's community issue. This was an issue in which we investigated what it means to be connected by a shared diagnosis and letting yourself develop those connections. Welcome to The Burn, Jessica. Thank you, April. Thanks so much for being here. So you are reading a piece that you wrote called I Was Alone Until I Wasn't. After you read, we'll talk about connection and vulnerability and survivorship, and specifically in vulnerable writing, that's memoir writing, as a tool for building empathy and breaking family cycles. And those of you listening, stay tuned to the very end for a writing prompt inspired by today's chat. All right, Jessica, I'll let you read us your story. Take it away. I was alone until I wasn't. We had just finished walking to the grocery store. I was hot and tired. I remember wondering why we didn't accept the ride from a friend who drove by us as we walked the four miles to the grocery store. I couldn't understand why when our neighbor asked if we wanted a ride to the grocery store on Thursday evenings, why did we say no? I wondered why when people offered to support us, we always said no. No matter if it were help, kindness, or love, I was taught from a very early age to always politely say no, thank you, to any and all offers even if it meant I would go without, even if it meant my feet would ache from walking. This was a common theme throughout my early years. In fact, it became one of my most powerful childhood lessons that wrapped around me with both arms, squeezing me so tightly that most days I could barely breathe. And just like that, I learned to suffer. I spent my first 40-ish years believing that if I could not do it completely by myself, I did not deserve it. Luckily, I grew up blessed and very capable. I taught myself to sew. I played many instruments. I was able to solve problems creatively and quickly. But when you navigate life as if you are alone, you end up alone. I was alone in my childhood. I was alone in my schooling. I was alone in my first marriage. I found a certain type of person gravitating toward me and not the kind I wanted. I found myself surrounded by the kind of people that take the ones that take and take and only take. Sure, there had been good people too, but of the many good, loving, kind people in my life, they left as quickly as they came, as I proved to them time and time again that I did not need them. I was able to do things by myself. They offered help and I quickly said, no, thank you. They offered support and I quickly said, no, thank you. They offered love and I quickly said, no, thank you. Ever the good girl following directions, just as I had been taught as an impressionable young girl. After all, I believed with every ounce of my being that if I cannot do it myself, I do not deserve it. So these good people all left because I did not deserve them. And all was well, until it wasn't. Eight years into my second marriage with two beautiful, healthy children and a lovely life that we had built all by ourselves, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. 
As I tried to process my diagnosis, I looked around. I started to fall like some crazy trust exercise, and I glanced back to see who would catch me, only I hit the floor with a jolt because no one was there. Cancer was to be the first time in my life I physically, mentally, and emotionally could not navigate alone. I was left dumbfounded, trying to make heads or tails out of what was happening to me because I could not get out of this alone. The familiar reel played in my head, and the squeeze tightened over my chest as it repeated over and over, if you cannot do it yourself, you do not deserve it. Surely I didn't deserve to die, or did I? I couldn't navigate cancer alone, and my very survival was dictated by my ability to identify and then break this long-standing, painful paradigm that held me so tightly I was determined to try. I found myself in a frightened, childlike state, knowing that I needed people, but not knowing how to ask. It was so foreign to me. I jumped online and searched for a local cancer charities. With much determination and a lump in my throat, I made my first call for help. Let that settle in. My first call for help in 42 years. I called another human, a stranger, crying and telling them that I needed help. Would they please help me? And there, on the other side of the phone, listening to my plea, they slowly and clearly responded, No. No, they said, we cannot help you. In utter pain, shock, and disbelief, I made another call. Again, I spoke the word I had never said before. Can you please help me? And again, as if they had swung and made a physical blow to my body. I heard the words again. No, we cannot help you. I didn't hang up this time. I couldn't. I wouldn't. I implored them, please, please tell me who will, who will help me. They had no suggestions. My heart sank lower and deeper than it ever had. Familiar squeezing embraced my body, and suddenly I heard that reel playing in my head. This, this is why we never ask. Because Jessica, they will always say no. You do not deserve compassion, and they know this about you. And they certainly will not give anything to you. So I sat and I cried. I cried for my heart. I cried for my diagnosis. I cried for my pride. I cried for the little girl inside me who never believed she deserved to be loved. And I stopped asking. But in my heart, I knew I couldn't manage alone, and there had to be someone out there who would be willing to help me. One random day a few weeks later, I got a phone call from a friend. She asked if she could share my phone number with someone she had met the night before. I said, of course, not fully understanding why or how this was happening, but not thinking anything of it. The next phone call I received was from a one named Pam a stranger to me, someone I had never met or even heard of. She was a cancer survivor. She was young and vibrant and beautiful. She was energetic, and she navigated her cancer diagnosis with intention and grace. Amazingly, over several years, Pam taught me to do the same. She pushed me past my boundaries and taught me that what I perceived as a boundary were not boundaries at all. Rather, they were the walls I had built around myself. 
She taught me to accept friendship, kindness, support, and even love. She taught me to ask for myself, for my family, for my heart. She taught me, without even knowing she was doing it, that I do deserve. Through the kindness of that one amazing woman, I would eventually be introduced to hundreds of women just like me. All of us scared, all of us beautifully broken, all of us pushing past the narratives placed in our head by well-intentioned adults not understanding destruction they would leave behind. Now, with these women, I am part of something bigger. I am no longer afraid to ask for what I need. I am no longer afraid to fall because I always know that my people are with me. And I know that all of us together, we make something brilliant, a community. Postscript. I must confess that the story did not end there. As I broke out of the paradigm so hard that I heard it shatter, I celebrated. And for the first time in my life, I was able to stand tall, take up space, and breathe. It was freeing and cathartic. And I was so happy that I mistakenly assumed that everyone would proud of me. But that loud shattering that I experienced was not only my faulty paradigm, but it was also the sound of my maternal bond breaking. I learned that sometimes when you grow, those around you don't always rise up next to you. Sometimes they violently claw onto the walls they have built, throwing chains at you to forcibly pull you down. Not because they think what you are doing is wrong, but because pain is all they know. Ah, Jessica, gorgeous, gorgeous writing. Thank you so much for that. We are going to take a quick break here to hear from a recent new subscriber to Wildfire Magazine, and then we will come back and chat a little bit. Hey there, I'm April, and I'm joined for a moment by my teammate, Emily Purcell, to tell you about something really big we've been working on behind the scenes. As you know, there's a wildfire book out in the world. We worked really hard on this book, and we are just loving the reception it's been receiving. The book is an anthology, a best of wildfire. It's what I like to call 50 Under 50. That's 50 personal essays from people diagnosed with breast cancer under 50, taking us deep into their lives post-diagnosis. We called the book Igniting the Fire Within, and it's really powerful. But what would make it even more powerful is to hear those essays directly from the writers themselves, their own voices, their own inflections, reading their own words. Many of them have already joined us here on The Burn as our guests, and likely you've heard them here and there. We're going to do this one better for you, though. There is now a special mini limited series offshoot of The Burn podcast called Igniting the Fire Within. It features just the essays from the book read by the authors. Think of it as your free audiobook of this incredible anthology. Subscribe to The Burn so you don't miss this very special audio broadcast of Igniting the Fire Within. New mini episodes drop each Friday. And if you don't have the book yet, pick it up on Amazon today. This is Barb from Colorado. I found out about wildfire when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I... Uh, got on Instagram and started poking around looking for others with my particular type of breast cancer, um, trying to uh, get more information and shared experiences. And some of the online friends that I'd made had been mentioning uh, Wildfire. So I went to the website and I saw that it was an actual magazine that you could, uh, a print magazine uh, that you could subscribe to. And I thought, well, 
you know, it supports an independently owned um, business and the community and um, obviously writing and writers. And I thought, well, let me subscribe just so that the money is going toward that cause, a cause I, I think is important today. Um, when the magazine arrived in the mail, um, I really, I couldn't put it down. Um, not only is it beautifully put together, there's photography, poetry, stories, um, but the stories that are in there are so compelling and it is such a privilege to read um, these people's experiences. Um, and they're so well written that I, I made it through about half of it, um, took a little nap, and when I woke up, I immediately finished the second half. Uh, it, it was a magazine I couldn't put down. I'm so glad I subscribed. I'm so glad I'm supporting it. And I would definitely recommend it to anyone in the community or anyone supporting someone in the community. Welcome back. Thank you for the love, Barb. Welcome to Wildfire. All right, Jessica, your story just hit me in, I don't know, hit me everywhere. I've got goosebumps all over from you reading your story today. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, April. Absolutely. So I want to let's start. Let's start at let's start at the transformation. I was going to say let's start at the beginning, but the transformation that you tell, I think, is what makes your story such a relatable and important story, and it has the power to change other people's lives. So I want to start right there. So you said that you started, or you. You lived and breathed this belief that you didn't deserve help. You had to do it yourself or or it wasn't for you. It was just that simple. It had to be you that would do it. And then we watched you through the course of this story, ask for help and get turned down again and again. And I could hear the emotion in your voice even now, you know, years later as you're reliving that. And that's that's so painful. And I am so in awe of you being able to share that. Um, this is something that I think we learn to kind of tuck away, not not only, you know, finding our strength to ask for help, but then if it gets shut down, even though you eventually got help, who wants to relive that, right? So I'm just so grateful that you brought that out because it's so relatable. So Let's go behind the scenes here. You know from being in the Firestarters writing groups that I really like to encourage people to use vulnerability in their storytelling. That is where the power to change lives is. We get behind the facts of the story. We get into the scene. We can see it happening. But then the reveal, you know, the stuff that's going on inside of your head is where we can really help someone else. So as you know, I always ask three, well, sometimes more, but three big questions about vulnerability. And if you're game, I want to ask you those vulnerability questions now to help someone else writing their story. Absolutely. And I just wanted to mention, April, that the Wild Flyer workshops, I hadn't started using writing like this until I was introduced to you and to your group and and how transformative for for me and for other people to write a story that can kind of take that emotion and put it on paper and allow other people to connect with it and even to allow yourself to connect to it. I think we compartmentalize so much with our cancer experience for survival um, and to be able to put this story in a box and take it out when I need to feel that and then put it back up on the shelf. It's just such a gift. So thank you for that experience. 
Oh, you're so welcome. And I love that you said that too about putting it in a box that you can revisit because I think that's there is two sides of that coin. Like one is getting the story out of you, you know, and changing your orientation to the story, putting it on the paper, becoming the narrator of that. But I love that idea of revisiting it as needed, you know, and kind of probing it and seeing what maybe if it still hurts, what other lessons might be in there. Mm, That was wonderful, Jessica. All right. So here's my vulnerability question for you. The first one, why was it so important for you to tell this story? And I like to ask specifically why this story and why now when you were writing it? I think with, um, at least my experience with my cancer um, journey, there's so many pieces of myself like that were broken. And I think cancer makes you face some of those fissures because when you get stripped down to just your bare essence of a human, like when you can't really do anything by yourself because you're in treatment or you've just had surgery, um, it's really clear and you can see those, those fissures and exploring them, like being brave enough to explore them and to kind of let go of, um, I found that as I was able to identify them, if I put it on paper, it wasn't mine anymore. I gave it to the universe and said, okay, this is my experience. And then the beauty of it is, is as I share my story and someone comes to me and says, that's my experience too. It, it makes me seen. It, it validates both of them. Um, and it takes it away from me. It's not mine to carry anymore. And it, it's just so healing for me. So I, this is something I wanted to let go of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love that you identified that as a part of your story, your breast cancer story, that maybe wasn't serving you anymore and needed to be let go because those stories can be so heavy to carry around. I love that you use that. So my second question for you in this vulnerability test, and I like to ask this to make sure that someone is really getting to the heart of their story and communicating what they want to, you know, because sometimes we are so in the story, we can't, we can't fully see it for what we want to be communicating. So your story here has, it has, you know, strong, strong application for you in your life and in your moving forward in your survivorship. But as I said, this transformation is so powerful for someone else. And knowing you, I know you were thinking of other survivors. So what is it that you wanted to say? What did you come here to say with this piece? What did you want someone else to take away with it? So I wanted another cancer survivor, cancer, someone going through cancer to look at this article and say, you know, when people say there are people out there that want to help you, it, it's real and it's true. And um, the, the, the only thing you have to do is open your heart. And if you're able to open your heart, if you're able to take that first hit, right, where you say, here I am, I'm, I'm completely vulnerable, I'm completely exposed, will you help? Um, if, as long as you're willing to take that first couple of hits, if somebody does say no, there are so many people, beautiful humans out there that want to help and that want to show up and that are looking for you. And I think that that, that kind of the, the, the reason for the story is that 
even if you don't see it, even if you don't have it around you, if you make that intention that that you believe that you're worth it and that you deserve it, people will come. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things that you're making me think of is what a powerful and essential guide pain is in our lives. I get the impression from you that you reached a place where status quo could not take you where it needed to and you could not survive anymore. And so even though you got those hard knocks, like you said, you know, someone and I can't even believe that someone could say no to you, but that someone twice, two people said, no, I don't have the help that you need. The fact that you were in so much pain that you didn't go back into your shell, you didn't buy it. You just said, okay, I need more. Like, I love that example of the fact that you were hurting so bad that it had to change. Something had to change regardless. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, and that's just, you know, remember to keep telling your story, like always, like whenever you're moved, speak, tell your story because the right person will hear it. Um, and those first couple of people I reached out to, they weren't the right people, but I finally did, you know, reach the right people. And, and you know, if I hadn't told my friend my story, she wouldn't have reached out to her friend that she met who was a cancer survivor and connected us. And so much of the community that I have today is because I've been connected by other people. Um, you know, so sharing and, and leaning into community, I think, is just, it's so important, even if it's something that's not comfortable or not not native to you. Um, and I do just want to tell you, and, and I, I wonder about this often. Um, before I was diagnosed, I used to pray every night that I wanted to be a better mom. Mm. And I always say that, my cancer experience it really kind of defines who you are as a person at you know, the very basic underlying level. And it made me so much of a better person and a better mom. And while we never want cancer, you know, um, and, and I'm not trying to find a silver lining, but I did end up with such a powerful experience with community and and a better example to set for my family. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's what I hear just all throughout this entire story is that the pattern that had existed before could not go on. No way, no how for you and now for your beautiful children. That's just not going to be your legacy to them. It's going to be one of change. And um, how would you distill that? Like, what messages are you passing on that you've learned from this to them? Is just to leave the world a little little bit better than, than the way that you got it. To make it a little bit softer, a little bit gentler. You know, to, you know, you know, that smile, that hug, that little note that you give to another person really, truly make the difference. And and sometimes those tiny things that we do, they just have such a wave of, of positivity that um, really makes a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So I just have one more question for you. And this brings us to your postscript, you know, in your piece there. And I think 
Obviously, we could probably spend a lot of time unpacking that. There is a lot in there, but it's one thing to have strangers say they can't help you. And it's another to have someone that you care about deeply say, you've changed and I can't, I can't with, with this new person you are. Unfortunately, I can't come there with you. And we, we know from writing true stories that sometimes there are people in our lives that just are uncomfortable with the stories that we tell. They're uncomfortable with the changes we are experiencing, especially as we work on ourselves and maybe they are not to that point yet. I'm just wondering if you have any advice for someone who is afraid of alienating, you know, those loved ones who have been holding them back, you know, as much as they know that that's painful and that's not serving them, they love those people, you know, and they don't want to, to hurt them through, through their growth. Do you have any, I don't know, any advice there? It's such a fine line, and and I dance it often in so many different areas of my life. Um, At the end of the day, you know, there's a point where no matter what you do, you're pipping people up, right? And um, how much of our story is ours and how much of our story is about the people that are involved? Um, One of the things that, that helps me personally to write and to tell stories that, that about how people and sometimes negatively people impacted my story um, is I might change a little bit. bit. I might change the narrative just a little bit, not enough that it would impact the story or would impact anything, but where a person who knew the truth might look at it and go, well, wait a minute, that's not quite right. That's not my name or that's not, you know, it, it, it wasn't the grocery store. It was the mall, you know, like, like little ways that you can change it. Because ultimately, the people who don't show up for you during cancer, it's not because they don't want you. It's because they're just not equipped. They don't have that part um, to give, which is okay. Um, And I think that however you need to work through that, and if writing can get you through that, um, it's really important to tell that story. More important than writing it, is having your story heard, is setting it out and letting other people relate to it. And and it takes a lot of strength and it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of bravery. But once you set it free, whatever's going to happen was going to happen anyway. It's true. And I love that you said that because it's... it. That's who those people are. And, you know, the fact that they might not be able to give you what you needed in that moment isn't necessarily personal to you. They just literally don't have it. And then it's up to you to get it where you need it. But telling your story and continuing to tell your story is going to help other people have the courage to tell theirs. And it just spreads, you know, like wildfire. (laughs) Uh, And- yeah. And April, the postscript there was actually a story of forgiveness. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that you just said that because that is what we can control, right? We cannot control how someone receives our story. We can't control what they can give us or they can't give us, but we can control if we can let it go. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that, Jessica. Thank you so much. 
So my guest and my writer today was Jessica Lynn, and her piece was called I Was Alone Until I Wasn't from the 2021 Community Issue of Wildfire. Jessica, thank you again so much for being here with us today. Thank you, April, and thank you for being my community. You are so welcome. Thank you for being mine. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay till the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's chat with Jessica. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit Wildfire Community to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our more than 30 issues in the Wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. Don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. And if you like what you hear, leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing the stories that need to be told. Here is today's writing prompt. I want you to set your timer for eight minutes and write without stopping or editing. In the same issue that Jessica's story appears, we also have a story from a woman named Tara Coyote. In Tara's story, she said, I create my reality with every thought I think. This is a powerful affirmation and cycle breaker. I create my reality with every thought I think. I want us to use this statement as a writing prompt. Like Jessica, maybe you have some old thoughts that are no longer serving you in your survivorship. What reality are your thoughts manifesting for you? And what changes do you want to make? Remember, be brave, be vulnerable, strive for the truth in your writing. Eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.